Hey, folks, I'm Tom. KJ here. You know the drill. We are back to promote the Dunlap Champions Club. They've been a longtime sponsor of Front Row Knowles, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, and you will appreciate the Champions Club if you have not been there. We've been saying this for a couple of years now, basically since it opened. You need to at least schedule a tour. The season's here. Go in, sample it, find out what you're missing. It is a great place to watch a ball game. Florida State uh, is scheduled for a 5 o'clock kick for their first home game, and I know there may even be some more. So if you want to stay out of the heat, you got that opportunity, as well as food and drink, the ability to get up and move around. It's a great place to watch a contest. It's also a great place to watch other contests because they got lots of TVs. And don't tell anybody I said that because really we want you sitting in the seats watching the FSU game. But uh, you can check on the other games too. For more information, you can call 850, you know that, 644-1830 to buy tickets or schedule a tour. And now, on with the show. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. Front Row Knowles First Look. And Keith, this one's going to be a tough one as we look back. Mainly for me, as I've already stated to you in, a, in another conversation, the score was what it was, and Florida State was very fortunate to get a win in overtime. But I thought we had seen some progress last week despite the loss, but then the penalties came back, the turnovers came back, uh, the quarterback looked like he regressed to me from last week, and it was a you know it was a decent opponent, it wasn't a great opponent. So I guess that's maybe where a starting point from from my from my end. Defense uh, continued to give up gash plays. We said part of the remedy for what they needed to do is put more pressure on the quarterback, go less zone and more man. Uh, they gave up a couple of touchdown passes when they were blitzing and in man coverage. Uh, I, I'm just, I, you know, last week I was disappointed. I'm beyond disappointment this week. Th- this is not a win. Uh, there's no way you'll convince me it's a win. It'll show up in the column that way. But but this is this is a, a, a backing up of of progress. You're supposed to make your biggest gains from game one to game two, and that just didn't happen. And I I don't I'm not one of these guys to always blame coaches. Uh, I think the players bear a lot more responsibility than we we probably put upon them. But these players have got to understand they're not doing the fundamental things to win ball games. And I don't know what to do with that per se. You know I, I can I can see the coaching staff going off and just making practice hell and just dogging them. I don't know what that accomplishes. I don't think you can continue to do the things you're doing. So that means you've got to you got to change some coaches' responsibilities or approaches. You got to change some personnel. I don't think you can just say we're going to keep it the way it is and try to get better because you're going to lose in Charlottesville next week if you play this way. Period. The end. You're going to lose a lot more than in Charlottesville if you play this way. It's going to be a struggle every week, save for Alabama State. Okay, before we get into many things, and I think there are a lot of topics there, you're talking about making some changes on the defensive side of the ball or maybe across the board, but I think there needs to be a quarterback discussion in there probably too. I'm sure that question is being asked. We'll get to that. Let's listen to Coach Taggart first uh, as he met the media. Florida State wins 45-44 in overtime on a kick that missed wide right. I guess, you know, for longtime FSU fans, maybe that's the, the only saving grace that came out of that. Let's listen to Coach Taggart. 
right. Uh, like I said before, um, our football team is, is still learning how to win, and um, they found a way tonight to get a W. Um, it wasn't pretty, but um, our guys did find a way to, to get that W, and um, we're going to celebrate that win for 24 hours and get back to work and get ready for uh, Virginia come next week on the road conference game. Willie, uh, it seemed like some parts of the game followed a similar script to last week in terms of the offense starting off really hot and then kind of cooling off and the defense kind of similarly. Any theories on the why? And it looked like you guys did different things defensively, but still kind of the similar results. Any theories on why? Um, yes, I can say um, when you turn the ball over, bad things happen. Uh, when you have 11 penalties, uh, bad things happen. And... I felt uh, that was a big, big reason why we were in the situation we were. You know, we had too many penalties, too many selfish penalties, too many pre-snap penalties. Uh, you think about a couple of touchdowns called back because of penalties, um, and then they scored on the takeaway. Uh, when you do those things, don't care who you're playing. When you play like that, then you're gonna find yourself in ball games like that, or find yourself losing them. I'm just glad our guys stayed together and found a way to get that win. James interceptions, it looked like there might have been miscommunications with the receiver. I guess, what did you see on those plays, and, and was there some confusion? Uh, um, on one, on the pick six, it was a miscommunication there uh, with those guys, and, uh, and that's when they got the pick six. You know, the other one was just um, a good play by the defense, and um, you got a takeaway. Coach, obviously it was looking bleak for a while tonight. What did you say to your team as the as the game headed to overtime? Well, I told our, our football team um, to keep playing. Um, like we've been talking all week about finding a way to win a ball game and told them to keep playing. This is this is an opportunity for us to take a next step with our, with our program as we're trying to build and get it back to where we, we all want it to be. Uh, it was a, another opportunity to, to do that, you know, and, and – Told our guys to seize the moment. You know, don't be afraid of it. Go take care of business. You talked after the last game about needing to get Cam the ball more. Obviously, you did that tonight. I mean, what can you say about his performance, especially how it seemed like every time you needed that big play, it was him that came through with it? Um, that was – it was huge. It was good that um, Cam was able to run like that. And, and um, I think it just another, – another example is getting your, some of your best guys the ball. They can do great things for you. And, and Cam just – He's a guy that's going to do everything it takes to help this football team win, no matter what. And uh, I think that's what we saw out of his gutsy performance tonight. And uh, we got to keep feeding him. I mean, he's a he's a good back and um, gave us some good results behind him. Coach, I don't know if you're aware, but there was an exchange tonight between some of the fans and uh, at least two of your players on the field. Uh, what do you say to your team to make sure that doesn't happen again and uh, just keep them moving forward? Uh, they just got to stay focused. They got to stop. They got to stay locked into the game. We can't listen to all the things outside of us. You know, those are things that we can't control. You know, we got to stay locked into our game. And um, if anybody, any one of our players are ticked off of what anybody said, then we need to play better. You know, and, and not get caught up in arguing with our fans. They, they're just frustrated. You know, they want to win just like we all do. You know, we want to win too, and they want to win. And yeah, we get it. You know, um, it's a, this is a story program. 
you know, on winning tradition. You know, and we in the point in our program where those wins hadn't been coming like we all wanted to be. But we were a work in progress, and, and I thought tonight we made another step towards getting this program back to where we wanted to be. Are we there? No, by no means. But we did make a step to, to get back there, and, and we will get there. We will. There's a progress in getting there, and um, can you say we'll get there? Willie, uh, some people I think will say ULM lost the game because they missed the extra point, but you guys did come from behind late in the game. Did you see anything different the way the players reacted when they fell behind this game as opposed to a week earlier? Yeah, they didn't get down or, or point fingers or anything. They, they stayed locked in. They stayed focused. You heard a lot of guys talking on the sideline about uh, we're going to win this game, and uh, this is a great opportunity for us. You know, we talked about adversity and and how we handled it all, all season. We talked about it. You either take, pull you apart or bring you together, and I felt our guys came together and, um, and made a play. I was really impressed with our offense there when we got down to, and we, when we needed a drive for them to put it together and go down there and score. I thought that was impressive. Coach, ULM uh, scored on four of their last five possessions and in overtime. Why do you think your defense struggled so much late in the game? Uh, penalties. You know, I think uh, uh, a few of those um, possession where they went down and scored, we had some penalties. Um, I think a couple personal fouls that allowed them to, to move the stick and, and, and go. And, and um, But I think that hurt us more than anything was, was the penalties there. And at the end, um, Couple of times we were out of our gaps and they were able to get get in there a little bit, but for the most part, I thought they were doing some good things. But those penalties really got our guys in some bad situations and allowed them to move the ball and continue to drive. That's Willie Taggart meeting the media, and you know the thing is, Keith, we went into this week saying there really was nothing Florida State could do that's going to convince us that they've turned a corner because of who the opponent was, but. I just didn't anticipate that it would go the other way. I mean, I thought if it was a not impressive win, it would be 41 to 23 or something, something along those lines. Not that you uh, just get get out barely on a missed kick. And and I, let's start here. Two weeks in a row, the offense clicks. You build a big lead. Halftime, you have a comfortable lead, and then you just completely invite the other team right back into the game. Learning to maintain focus. Uh, learning to keep focus is a very mental thing. That's a mental challenge, no question. But this team just doesn't have it. Now, I'm I'm not one to tell you I know how to do that. I mentioned that you know you can try to do some things in practice to mix things up and create uh, situations. But but these kids have got to take a look at themselves, and and somebody on this club has got to rise up. And the problem is I don't think it's the seniors. You know, I looked at a couple of seniors that made some real boneheaded plays Saturday night, and you would expect different out of a four- or five-year kid. Um, I don't know what that answer is. That is very, very troubling to me, how you can go in at halftime with that big lead and come out and not have the ability to turn that switch back on. I, I just don't understand how competitors can't do that. Uh, that baffles me. I thought they did make an adjustment to their routine this week. Now, to be fair, I have not routinely measured what time on the clock does the team return before the third quarter to the field. But just last week to this week, last week my recollection is they came out with two or three minutes left and basically went to the sideline. We kicked off and played ball. This week they came out with four or five minutes and actually ran team drills, tried to get 
to me, it seemed like somebody made a decision to say we're going to do this. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to any better happenings in the third quarter. Well, and, and again, that's a physical thing. I, I'm of the opinion, and I could be wrong, but I'm of the opinion it's more of a mental thing. And, and I, as I say, I don't know that I have an easy or even a simple solution to that, but certainly that has got to change or you're going to just continue to see what's happened in the second half repeat itself. Let me ask you this. We talked about this last year at one point, and, and Coach Taggart didn't go this route, but to your suggestion that some wholesale changes need to come, and the seniors, one of the seniors you're referring to is Dontavious Jackson, who got a, a dumb 15-yard penalty. Dumb's probably a kind word. Um, and just hasn't played well on top of it. Keith Gavin offensively has been getting lots of reps. And I think part of the reason is that he blocks better than maybe some of the other receivers, even though he's not making uh, the, the highlight catches. But he had a key fumble. Uh, but what I'm driving at, Keith, is is it time to say – back from your era, even before your era, when Bobby said, all right, we, we know where we're getting with the seniors. Let's just play the seven freshmen and let's ride with them. or you know, However many changes it is, but let's put the younger guys in. Yes, it's time to do that. Now, it wasn't time to do that last week, but it's time to do it this week. And, and what will happen if you do it is that those kids will get better quicker and those seniors will have their attention gotten. And when you go back to using them two or three games later, they'll be better. The whole program will be better. You may lose a couple of ball games doing that, but the program will be better, and it's time to make that move. Levante Taylor is one. I don't know that he played tonight, so they did demote him for whatever that was. Uh, Logan Tyler was not available. That's another senior, and I, I don't know what the situation was there. So I'd have to look at the depth chart and, and see. But I, I, I do think I'm in agreement, Keith, that you, you've got to do something because if, you, if you're we, – we've seen this script unfold – uh, for the last couple of years, and, and to be fair, and this is an even bigger question, Keith, four years ago when Jimbo had them sign promise notes, I mean, the coaching staffs here have been coaching effort for four years, coaching guys to play hard. That should never be something you have to coach. If I'm having to coach effort, uh, I need to take your scholarship and go find another player. I mean, we had that conversation in a, in a pleasant way, but we had that conversation with Rick Stockstill on Front Row Knowles that aired last Wednesday. Uh, congratulations again to Rick for his induction into the Hall of Fame. And, and we were talking about, you know, his philosophy and that type of thing. And the, we, we specifically mentioned the transfer portal. And, and Rick was the first to tell you, if I've got a kid that doesn't want to be here, I'm, I'm going to help him find a way out. If I've got a kid that doesn't want to give effort, I'm going to help him find a way out. I can't win with him. Well, it is. We'll, we'll see what changes come. Uh, one thing that is coming is Virginia, who many have picked to win the Coastal. It's a night game. It was going to be a tough deal anyway. There's been nothing in these first two weeks that would lead you to believe that that Florida State's, uh, you know, about to find it. So we'll we'll start offense here, Keith, in the next one because I think we need to get to the quarterback situation. So we'll take a break. We do this. Uh, for the full hour, it airs, uh, as you know, if you listen to it regularly, Sunday mornings at 8 and, again, Mondays at 6. This is the look when Keith and I haven't gone back and watched any of the game or any of the tape. We've, we've uh, just finished post-game interviews, basically, and, and uh, listen to those. So we'll take a break, come back, talk about the offense right after this on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles' First Look. Tom and KJ with you. Keith, I mentioned the quarterback conversation i'm usually one 
to be patient. And I like James Blackman a lot. And to be fair, I've not gone back and graded tape. It just felt to me early in the game even, and his numbers were very good early, he was locked onto a receiver, he was staring the receiver down, and he was getting away with some throws with a DB draped on the receiver. And then the second half came along, and there was probably miscommunication on the pick six, I'm sure, but it just doesn't feel like he took a step forward this week, and I'll let you weigh in. Uh, And I would agree. Uh, The pick six was definitely communication, so I don't know how much of that you can put on James. Uh, He was really hurried on the second interception and had to throw the ball. It was a clearing route underneath. He was trying to get the receiver all the way across the field on on a short route and had to throw it early, and that's why the defender was in a place to make the play. But I think you got to go back and you'd have to sit down and go over it with, with Coach Bryles on a play-by-play basis. But I think he's not making good decisions in other aspects of the game. Now, I know Cam had a wonderful game. We'll talk about him in just a second. But I'm just not sure that James is doing what you need a quarterback to do in this offense. The problem with that is how much he cares, how hard he works, and how popular he is. Uh, I, I go back, you know, to situations where, you know, Brad Johnson was the starter and Mark Rick had to make the decision to bench him and bring on Casey Weldon. And all Casey did was finish as the runner-up for the Heisman that year. Now, Brad and Casey both had wonderful NFL careers. Brad even better than Casey. But two popular players, and you got to make a decision. Uh, I, th- I think you got to give Hornibrook a couple of three series. I think you got to even give Travis a shot or two. Uh, and see if there's just a spark there that's different. Uh, and I hate that for James. But at the end of the game, I'm sitting up in the box, and I can't recall if it was on television or it was on the big board. But but you could tell, tell by James' expression and by his the way he was carrying his body when they jogged back down to do the alma mater with the, with the Chiefs, he was not happy. He's not happy with his performance. He's not happy with his team. He's not happy with the result. Uh, He knows improvement has to be made, and I think a combination of him knowing that and trying the other kids a little bit, you may, you may, it may be worth doing that right now to see if you can get a spark. So you mentioned Travis, but let's think about this. Before a starter was announced, after the last scrimmage or or maybe leading up to the last scrimmage, at some point Taggart said that two of the three had separated themselves in the race. And then after the announcement was made, the whole conversation was that Blackman was just a little bit better than Hornerbrook. So the two that separated were Hornerbrook and Blackman. So I think if there's a change, it would be Hornerbrook. Hornerbrook would be Hornerbrook would be who you go to first. <clears throat> but remember, Travis had a had a tweaked knee and didn't get as much work during camp. I'm telling you, Hornerbrook is only here for one year. Travis is here for four you got to weigh that in your decision a little bit, too. Well, and they've got a kid coming in next year, though, that's highly touted as well. Um, I, I don't know if you can weigh down the road that significantly right now, given the way things are going. No, that's a good point. No, no I, I agree with you. you got to do something immediate and go with what might help you immediate. Uh, but I do think you've got to sit, James, and give someone else a couple of three series and just see what happens. Hornibrook, for those that were at the game, and I'm sure they probably showed it on TV too, he did warm up a couple times in the game. 
And as based on the fact that he didn't go in, that was him just getting his arm loose. And he between every series when I watch him, he's stretching, he's trying to stay loose in case his number's called. So I think that was him just keeping his arm fresh. Not that the coaches said, hey, warm up, because obviously they didn't make a change. We'll see what they do this week. Uh, you know, you're going to Virginia. You're not going to be favored. Based on their first two games, nobody's going to think that you're going to play well at all. Uh, it would be something they haven't seen. They'd have to look at Wisconsin tape to see what Hornerbrook does, and that's a completely different offense. So it wouldn't be a bad week to make the change. And, and I'm not saying you're, you're naming Horner, Hornerbrook the starter. I'm just saying you're going to get him in a couple of series to see what he does. If he doesn't perform well, you go back to James. If he does, then you make a new decision based on new information. Let's talk about Cam Akers real quick because he played with a ton of heart. He's had back-to-back 100-yard games. I know he had a huge fumble last week. But, man, a school record, 36 carries. He was a workhorse. He does not have a great offensive line in front of him. And this offense is not – it's not as if the running back is getting eight yards because the passing game is so efficient. He's having to work for every yard that he's getting, and it was an impressive performance. Well, two things. Number one, you can't run Cam 36 times a game. No running back can take that kind of punishment. Uh, Had to in this one and fortunate to get the win. 248 yards of total, uh, all, excuse me, all-purpose yards. Uh, had 55 through the air, 193 on the ground, if my math is correct. Uh, he willed this offense to those points. Uh, if there's any one guy that could, could stand up in the locker room right now and demand that the rest of that offense follow him and have the credibility to make that demand, it's Cam Akers. I had a chance to talk with him after the game. Here's that conversation. I'm with Cam Akers now, the star of the game for Florida State, who just sat down maybe for the first time in a while. How's that feel? I mean, you got to be a little exhausted right now. Yeah, you know, um, I trained for this, so, you know, I'm not really as tired as people would think, but, you know, uh, we put in the time in the summer, and then uh, offseason, we work for this, you know, work for uh, uh, the load, to carry the load. I work for that, so got to carry it. School record, 36 carries, though. I mean, Florida State's been playing football for a while. There's been a lot of good backs that have come through here, so uh, maybe you'll feel it more tomorrow. Yeah, I think I feel it a lot more tomorrow. I feel it now, but, you know, got to take the bitter with the sweet. I'll I'll stay individual here, and then we'll go team. You had a bad ankle last year that really wasn't talked about a whole whole lot, and people were wondering what was going on with Cam, and that was part of the answer to it. So for you personally, is it a little bit of indication to be healthy and and have, you know, back-to-back 100-yard games to start this season? Uh, Definitely. Um, I just think it's uh, all in my head, all in my mind, you know, uh, and the work that I put in. Like you said, if this individually, the work that I put in, you know, um, in, the, in the offensive line, you know, um, that's the that's the biggest piece of any success that I have is our offensive line, the way they work, you know, um, and the way they get move people and get and pick up blocks, and they just they just they play a hell of a hell of a um, they played a hell of a football game today. Now let's talk team. This this team obviously needed a win. I don't know that you anticipated this game would would come down to the wire like that, but. Uh, what is the significance just of getting a W here for confidence and trying to build on it? Uh, that's definitely big. You know, you always want to win, uh, no matter if it's an ugly win or if it's a pretty win. You'd rather take an um, a ugly win than a pretty loss. So, you know, um, a win is always good to get that win in the win column and kind of get some momentum going, you know, uh, show people that we can fight through adversity as a team, even though, we, like you said, we shouldn't have been in an adverse situation. But just showing, you know, we can fight. You know, this team got a lot of fight and grit to us. 
It's two weeks in a row where the offense really came out. You put up big numbers, got a lead, had a comfortable halftime lead, and then it's just taken a while to, to get back into rhythm in the second half. Is that taking the foot off the gas? Is that the other team adjusting? Is it just the nature of this offense? Uh, you know, what, how would you assess that? Uh, we just got to come out and execute, you know, uh, come out with the same fire at, at, in the in the second half, as we do in the beginning of the game, like you know, like we do in the beginning of the game, uh, and I think we're learning that. We're starting to learn that, you know, like you said, for the past two weeks, uh, we haven't done that, and I think we, we understand like we got to do that, you know, no matter what, no matter how we feel, no matter the scoreboard, no matter the, how many points we put up at halftime, we got to come out the second half and act like the score is zero to zero. Cam, I'll let you get going. There's a lot of media members that want to talk to you. Congratulations on a great effort tonight. Thank you so much. Cam Akers really did put Florida State on his shoulders last night, got them a victory on Saturday night, I should say. And so it's good to see that he's back because we wondered last year what's the deal with Cam, and and I tried to say we've talked about it. He had a bad ankle last year. And the offensive line, though not great this year, it's it's marginally better than it was last year, I think, so far. Speaking of the offensive line, Keith, Jawan Williams went out in the first half and was in the injury tent for a long time. And then I guess I missed it when he went to the locker room or changed because I never saw him again after that. And Abdul Bello played left tackle the rest of the way. Go ahead. Willie addressed that in, in the in the post-game conference and said that uh, uh, he had a boot on. It was an ankle sprain. He had not visited at that time with the training staff. He said the only positive out of it was he had the boot on and not crutches. That tells me its significance. I don't think you're going to have him for Charlottesville at a minimum. Bello, I didn't think, played badly, but it was Louisiana Monroe whose best pass rusher was suspended for the game and who another defensive end was injured, and I don't know if he played. So I don't know how much of a fair measure that is. We all know that Florida State's not deep on the offensive line and not great with its first five to begin with, so that's just the reality of it. You, you suffered an injury at a position, even if it ends up being a week, a couple weeks, it's, it's not a position where you could afford to suffer an injury. Uh, anything else offensively that you want to jump on to? Uh, I, I thought uh, the Warhawks did a good job of taking uh, Tamari and Terry out of out of play. He did have five or six catches, but was not allowed to get uh, loose like you would expect him to. Uh, I thought I thought James did do a good job of spreading the ball around. We started seeing some of the younger kids uh, get some catches, uh, folks that we hadn't you know seen a whole lot of. As I look at the at the stat sheet. Um, uh, you know, DJ Matthews had seven catches and a couple of rushes. They tried very intentionally to get him in there. And uh, Trayshawn Harrison had that uh, touchdown reception. So I think some of the younger guys are getting some plays. We knew that the wide receiver position was deep. Um, <coughs> pardon me. And I think they did a better job of trying to spread the ball around and use it. Um, I just think it goes back to our prior conversation that James has, for whatever reason, not had good games back-to-back. And, and it's time to just try something else to see if there's a spark there. We need to talk about some of the pre-snap stuff, too, but let's save that for our last segment because that kind of goes in the focus bucket, I think, in some of the issues. Uh, there's a lot of buckets we can talk about, but there's only four segments to this show. We'll get to the third segment right after this. We'll talk defense on Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles. First look, we're going to talk defense this segment. Could be a long segment. Could be a really short segment. I'm not sure what we're going to discuss because I don't have the answers. But uh, first, Keith, uh, why don't you remind our listeners uh, 
about the fine folks at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Longtime sponsor of our program, uh, Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. If you have a DIY project that needs to be finished, well, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. You can reach them by telephone at 580-1200. That's 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Defense, Mr. Jones. You summed it up. You know, last week the zone was so soft that people said, well, and the blitz got home. So there was a big school of thought, especially with this offense, that you might as well just be aggressive all the time, play some more man. You're going to get beat sometimes, but at least you'll get the ball back to the offense. Well, tonight was one of those nights where uh, they got you more than you got them with the blitz because you didn't get home and you got guys singled up one-on-one and, and they burned you. That's the difference between a freshman quarterback who had an outstanding night in uh, the Boise State game and a quarterback that basically is a four-year starter. Uh, he's credited with being a three-year starter, but he started a couple of games as a freshman. He's a senior now. Uh, he threw the ball extremely well, and they had some receivers that went up and made plays. So you um, decided last week you're going to uh, rush three, maybe four, drop, play zone. That didn't work. Came with pressure this week. Didn't get to him as much as you needed to, and he burned you on the outside. That's the danger of you know playing defense. Uh, the the biggest thing, however, that I think this defense suffers from is they are getting absolutely horrible, horrible linebacker play. And if you're running a 3-4, that means that four kids are not playing well. And particularly the two inside guys, I, I think you just got to go with the young kids, whoever they are, even if we don't know their name. Get them out there and play them a little bit. Let's see what happens because it can't be any worse. Linebacker play cannot be any worse than it is right now. Dontavious Jackson is one that you're talking about as a senior, but Jaden Lars would be has struggled inside too, and that's without even getting to the guys on the edge. Now, they did have four down more frequently Saturday night than, the, than they did in week one, but it, it's nothing – I don't know that you'd point to any aspect of the defense and say they're doing this well right now. They're not stopping the run. They're not playing zone defense well. They're not playing man well. They didn't get home on the blitz this week against an offensive line that was – all returners with the senior quarterback. I mean, what am I, what, they didn't tackle well. At, at least some guys didn't. Uh, so what did I miss? They didn't force many turnovers. What did I leave out? Uh, I think you summed it up quite nicely. Uh, we, we do not have a defense that will take you to a 500 season. There, there is improvement that's needed. Uh, I, I think I might, I might give the defensive line a little bit of slack because uh, I think they occasionally have rose, risen to the occasion. Uh, but it, it's a defense that has, certainly has not performed well. Cyrus Fagan had a bunch of tackles on Saturday night. He got a little bit more expended, extended playing time because Levanta Taylor, uh, they shuffled the deck, never really told us what the story was there, but uh, he was demoted and not even on the depth chart this week. So I did talk with Cyrus Fagan afterwards, and here's that conversation. Cyrus, congratulations. I know uh, you probably didn't expect that thing to go down to the wire and go into overtime, but uh, just, you know, given that it's been a long time, just to get a win, that has to feel pretty good. I mean, yes, sir. We always work. We work every day to come come to work, to go to work, to get a win for Florida State. So as long as we got a W on the column, we could. It was ugly, but we got a lot of work to do, and we know that. We got to put our back against the wall and just go to work. 
When did you find out this week uh, that, that you had a chance to move up the depth chart and, and see the playing time that you did today? Uh, early in the week. I mean, we, had a, we always have a rotation, so I was always planning on playing a lot. But early in the week, I was just doing my job and just doing my responsibilities at the highest level. So then my opportunity was to start this weekend. That's what I did. It's been a tough two weeks for the defense so far. What do you see out there in terms of, because there's talented players on this defense, but, but so far it feels like it just hasn't clicked, and that's my words, not yours. But what do you, what do you, you know, what's your two-game assessment, what you've seen from the defense right now? Uh, after these two games, I just feel like we just got to go back to the drawing boards and just, like I said, put our back against the wall and work because we know nobody's going to lay it down, lay it down for us. We know we're going to have to earn everything that we, every victory we're going to have to earn. We're going to have to earn everything. It's never, nothing's never given to you. So when we come out there on that field and we know we got a target on our back as well. So we just got to work harder. We got to put more work in. It's just two weeks in a row where you guys had a big lead, a more than comfortable halftime lead, and then it just slipped away. Is there any sense to you that there's any feeling of, uh, you know, the team relaxing or just losing focus a little bit in that situation or just give credit to the other side? Uh, honestly, uh, I just feel like, we got to finish. We always have to finish. We got to finish every opportunity. Like I said, nobody going to lay down. So those guys were fighting and they came, they did what they did. They did their job to get back in the game. So uh, I'll, I'll praise them. But on our side, we got to hold it down and, and not slip up and not let the lead go away like we did. I mean, at least we got the dub. We, we happy with the victory, but we now know that. Yeah, it's time. Like we gotta put our put our foot down, put our everything. We gotta we gotta own everything. Final question for you: How do you just make sure that the defense stays together? You know, because finger pointing is not gonna help anything if you get to that stage. Uh, just knowing that is is us, and not knowing that, just knowing that we beating ourselves. When we watch the film and see the film and notice know that it's not the other team making the plays. We just messing up. We're doing the wrong. We messing up. We. We're, we're kill, killing ourselves. So it's, not, it's never the other team. It's always us. So if we just come to work and just fix what we got to fix on our side and handle what we can control, what we can control, we're going to be good. Cyrus, thanks for a few minutes of your time. Congratulations on the win. Appreciate it, sir. Again, that's Cyrus Fagan from, from Florida State. And I'm just not sure where you go, Keith. Uh, we, we talked about this a little at the top, and we need to get back into it now. The most talked about play in the Boise State game was the fact that a ball went on the ground and two guys stood around and tried to pick it up and run with it instead of falling on it. So the one turnover you did force on Saturday night, two or three guys kind of stood around. Eventually a guy wound up falling on it, but that that, that still was not the way that play began. And we just saw this last week. Inexplicable? Is that what that word is? Inexcusable. Or both. Um, I, I, I can't tell you, Tommy. I really can't tell you. I don't understand how a senior linebacker can have an unsportsmanlike penalty the way he did. I, I would have benched him for the rest of the game. I would not have played him another play after that. You're a senior. I don't understand how they can continue to run into the wrong gap. I don't understand how they continue to run outside and let a back cut in between them. I don't understand how they can continue to get wrong angle and wrong depth on the lesser number of times that you ran um, zone, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I think that means you got to look at that segment coach. If they're all performing poorly, 
then I got to spend some time wondering about what their segment coach is doing. How much is attributable to changing to what they've called multiple look? They haven't called it a 3-4, even though that's how we've referred to it. Uh, There's certainly aspects to it that need to be different uh, and things that they've got to get better at or, or get used to. But some of the stuff that's happening is just basic football. Whether you're in a 4-3 or 3-4 or 50 or anything else, you know, gap responsibility, not overrunning the play, wrapping up on tackles and not trying to just blow people up, uh, that's just football. It doesn't matter what you're playing. It doesn't matter how old you are or what league you're in. Um, this, that's just disheartening. Our, our linebacker play has just been disheartening. We discussed it earlier in the first segment about making some changes. So you think maybe moving some safeties down to linebacker, just playing the younger guys, whatever it takes is really where you are. Just try something different. And again, like I said, on the offensive side, you're just looking for a spark. Uh, you've gone 120 minutes now. You've played two games. Um, you've got a good body of evidence. You can make some decisions, uh, even though it's still early in the year, but you can make some decisions if for no other reason to try to find that spark, to try to find something different. Um, certainly, going into the, to the Virginia game and playing away and at Charlottesville, I mean, that's a daunting task. You wouldn't think, as a Florida State faithful, you would ever be saying that. Can't believe Seminole Nation is you know, worried about losing the game to Virginia, but welcome to the new ACC. It's not your grandpa's ACC anymore. And now's the time to do it because – we were we were we were disappointed in the Boise State game, and we're a little bit perplexed and just wondering what in the world's going on now. After after uh, ULM, now's the time to do it. What else did we miss on the defensive side of the ball, Keith? Well, they 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 did hold the opponent to a lesser yardage than the offense gained. Uh, they did rise up on a couple of occasions and make some plays. There there is the potential there. There's just no consistency, and there doesn't seem to be any. You don't really talk about rhythm on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, consistency is more of, a, of what you're trying to look for. But this is the second week in a row when teams have been successful in running on them. Second time in a row, second game in a row, you've had a 100-yard rusher by the opponent. Um, it, 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 it's just it's, – it's just, you use the term, shuffle the deck. Time to shuffle the deck and see what else is out there. One thing when I'm down on the sideline that I don't see, I don't see a lot of leadership really on either side of the ball. The only guy defensively that I saw barking at the at other players, and this is the second straight week, was Asante Samuel II. And, you know, he's he's a corner. He's not in the middle of the action. And, and Asante, quite frankly, likes to talk a lot to begin with. But I don't see Marvin or others. And, I don't, you know, maybe it's not their nature, but somebody in there needs to grab the guys by the shoulder pads and command respect. Uh, William Floyd talked about it in the radio broadcast, and I don't see it. I, I haven't seen it either, and obviously you're, you're much closer to it. Um, but somebody's got to rise up. Uh, if you look back uh, historically at Florida State and their defenses, uh, there's always been one or two leaders, vocal leaders, that could command the respect of the uh, other guys, particularly the younger guys, and get their attention. And, and make sure they understand, all right, in this series we got to win on first down, and we always got to be good on third down. And now we're backed up. We've given them two scores. We can't let them have a third. I mean, 
Uh, ULM has scored on, what, four possessions? Technically five if you count the pick six, all that wasn't, wasn't a possession. But those are unanswered points, and, and you're allowing them to score those points. You, 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 even if the offense isn't performing well, you've still got your job to do defensively. And there were just times when FSU didn't rise to the occasion. They've got talent. There's athletes over there, but they're just not playing well. That about sums it up. We'll come back and continue on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' First Look, Tom and KJ with you. We do this each and every uh, Sunday morning at 8, airs rears Monday at 6, and then our regular show is Wednesdays at 6. Keith, we didn't have to have a long extended discussion about who the player of the game might have been against ULM. Normally Keith and I pull out stats and, and you know, we're looking at box scores and it's about a three hour discussion now. This this one was not a discussion. Take it away. Time now for our primary earning bank performance of the game and obviously that goes to Cam Akers. Thirty six rushes for hundred and ninety three yards, had five catches for fifty five a touchdown both on the ground and, well, two on the ground and one through the air. And as you mentioned earlier, he just kind of willed himself through uh, this game and willed this offense uh, to a victory. Uh, hats off to Cam Akers. Speaking of performance, Prime Meridian Bank was just named one of the best banks to work for by American Banker Magazine. Want to bank where, you, where they greet you by name, smiling faces that offer you coffee and a cookie when you walk in the door? Well, Prime Meridian Bank, and that's what I call Great performance. Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Member FDIC, offices Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and Lakeland are on the web at trymybank.com. Cam Akers was really good, really good. But as you said earlier, you can't have him. 41 touches for Cam Akers is not going to last a season. And Kalen Laburn did really, uh, you know, he got a couple touches, but he's not been productive with him. He hasn't been as good as in pass pro. So there are reasons we're not seeing him as much. I do think that he's a talent if you can get him in space. I would like to see them find a way to get him in space, but I'm, I'm sure you could say that about any of their skill players right now. Well, they they did a little better job of getting the ball to D.J. Matthews uh, offensively. Uh, I, I think uh, LeBorn is someone that they could get the ball to. Uh, I, I'm afraid, though, that as you get farther into the season, if you continue to use Cam like this, you're going to create some situations and some, uh, dare I say, animosity with some of the backups that they're not getting enough shots. Uh, and that will lead to problems. You, you, know, you, get thir- you know, 36 on the ground, five through the air, 41 touches. That's too big a workload for Cam. You've got to spread that ball out a little bit. I mentioned earlier we'll talk about the penalties. So we saw more penalties, more on the offensive side with the pre-snap issues. A couple of them wiped away touchdowns. General thoughts? I mean, that we've been here before. Regression. Uh, you would, again, repeating myself, you would think you'd make the most progress positively from game one to game two wasn't the case when it comes to penalties and Willie addressed that in his post game uh, you know they said well what, what are, what's part of the problem well, we turned the ball over and we had penalties you do those two things and you're very likely to lose ball games that you should win and Florida State very fortunate that uh, they pulled this one out the touchdown to Wilson that was called back ULM and they they ran it twice in that series. ULM didn't get it correct defensively either time. They had Florida State had three receivers and ULM had two DBs and nobody else within twenty yards. So it should have been a touchdown. And unfortunately, that was one of the ones where they 
they got a flag for uh, somebody being lined up incorrectly. And they were lined up incorrectly. And what's very frustrating about it is the ball was very close. You know, I don't know if you ever really processed this, but, you know, every five yards there's a straight line all the way across. And in between there's little hash marks. That's where we get the hash from. Well, the ball, if the ball is either side of that straight line all the way across, you could probably judge where you need to be. And that ball was about a football length past the line, and he lined up a yard past the line. Uh, so don't throw up your hands and say this was a bad officiating crew. That was a, that was a foul, and it was a proper call. I sense some sarcasm, Mr. Jones. A little, just a little, just a little. I'm trying to think what else we've missed from this game. Well, Logan Tyler didn't play, and I don't know the rationale there. We were told that just before the game, something off the field. You may be able to, to add to that. But I did think that Tommy Martin did an admirable job as a walk-on punter, especially when the game's on the line and you've got to catch and punt the ball with a minute left. I mean, I'm sitting there going, oh, here we go. we got a walk-on punter in this situation. Uh, netted, what, 42, 43 yards on his punts. Had one that was down inside the one. Uh, I thought the kid, and I don't even know his name, can't remember his name, but I thought the kid that kicked off uh, did rather well. How about the return game? We saw the introduction to Florida State of the fair catch on kickoffs last week. Uh, that was notably absent in the 2018 season. But at the same time, uh, Helton had a couple of returns that were very nice. <coughs> Pardon me. And DJ had a punt return that was very nice. So in terms of the return game, maybe a little progression. And uh, in terms of the kicking game, Aguayo was his, uh, his normal steady self, and the new punter did well. Um, you know, I think you, you, you'd say in that one-third aspect, FSU did make some improvements and continues to do well. But there's a lot of work and cleanup that needs to be done offensively and defensively. The punter also was the holder, by the way, so that's not insignificant that he got uh, forced into that duty as well. Yeah, Helton did a nice job on returns. The key thing is there weren't blocks in the back there, and so even though he didn't get to the 25 every time, he got past the 20. He got much further than the 20 a couple times, so it balanced out, and it was it was probably better than just taking it at the 25 on average. All right, so we get Virginia this week. It's the start of conference play. Keith, you know what I've said about this Virginia game since the moment it came out on the schedule, and that is that this Virginia game, when everybody said the schedule is easier for Florida State this year, I pointed out that the only way this schedule is easier is that you get Boise State in the state of Florida instead of going to Notre Dame in November. Because at Virginia, I've believed from the get-go, is a tougher game than Virginia Tech at home last year was to open the season. Virginia Tech barely made a bowl, didn't want to play in a bowl. This Virginia team might win the Coastal, might win 10 games this year. It's on the road. Bronco Mendenhall's got them believing. This is, a, this is more than a tough putt for Florida State this week. I would agree. And I think the thing that's interesting about it is you and I right now, although we've not done our prep, we really can't tell you names or, or styles of what has made Virginia so good. It's merely the fact that Mendenhall has come in and reinstilled um, the, the confidence and the toughness that Virginia was known for under Al Groh and even before that. Uh, you know, it was George Wells. George Wells, thank you. Uh, it was a tough place to go and play. They got away from that for a period of time, and now with Mendenhall back there, it's back to that. Uh, it's at night. Uh, that stadium is not huge, but it's very compact. 
Uh, you're very, uh, you know, uh, the, the, they're very uh, close to the field. There's not a lot of area around the outside. It's a game that Florida State fans that have been around for a while will remember, you know, the 95 contest when Florida State uh, was, in my opinion, uh, robbed of a victory on a Warwick Dunn uh, run that I thought he scored on. They said no, and Virginia got uh, the, the win, the first ACC regular season loss for FSU. Gosh, that's 24 years ago now. We've been doing this a long time. Um, Scott Stadium and all the other names that go into that field is a tough place to play when Virginia is playing fundamentally sound and very disciplined football, and that's exactly what they're doing under Coach Mendenhall. Hadn't thought about it, but you had a work done reference, and that particular play was a direct snap. And, of course, the, the last time we saw a lot of that was in the work done era. We saw a direct snap to Cam Akers in the game on Saturday night, so that was a new wrinkle and, uh, you know, a way to try and just confuse the eyes of the defense to get four or five yards. And, and bringing it back to the offense, Kendall Browse and company are going to have to do that sort of thing all year long because the offensive line, they're not going to road grade anybody. Uh, I do think they're better this year. I think the offense is better under Browse than what it was last year through two games. But that said, uh, you're about to play a lot tougher teams. Yeah, the road certainly doesn't get any easier. And again, uh, you know, looking at the year, I, I thought they'd get past Boise State. I thought they'd play a good game and win Ben against ULM, and neither one of those happened. And so that makes me hesitant to think that any of the other thoughts I had about this season going forward uh, are 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 valid. I mean, Tommy, if there's not market improvement, you know, this is a team that might not go to a bowl again. And I don't know, it's been since early 70s when Florida State has missed back-to-back -back bowl games. Um, I mean, it, there is the possibility of this team, if they don't get things corrected soon, of being a 500 ball club. You hope. I hope. There's also the possibility that you have guys that do have NFL futures ahead that start worrying about that more than worrying about team. Well, and we've seen that in the past, so we know that it can happen. Uh, I mean, it's a crucial, crucial place where FSU, where, where Willie Taggart is in just his second year at the helm and where Florida State is as a program. Uh, it, it is, uh, it's just been, it's, it is being very difficult and will continue to be difficult and very, very difficult to watch. We're out of time. We'll do this again Wednesday at 6. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles First Look.